Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. And your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. Twitter at Locked On Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Pet. People have their opinion. What other falsehoods are out there? A lot of the perception things about us. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. Rebuilds are difficult. Sometimes it takes years and years. I still believe, given a a really good offseason with this draft pick that we have coming and with our ability to to get some veteran players in here alongside these young guys, we we can make a substantial leap. Kick back. Relax. Locked on Bulls starts now. My job is to prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. And these guys are men. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. Just wanted to make a quick note here to everybody that's listening. The first 12 to 13 minutes of the episode is recorded weirdly. I'm a dumbass. I recorded wrong. Had my mic set up, plugged into my computer, and had my recording settings wrong. But the first 15 minutes was too good to re-record, so I wanted to give you guys my live reaction. Just wanted to make you aware of that. The back end of the episode, the good chunk, good portion of the episode is of high quality like you're normally used to listening to here on Locked on Bulls. Just wanted to make you mention and aware of that, but uh, here is the reaction to the Bulls-Knicks game tonight. Enjoy. What's up and welcome into Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley. Matt Peck is out. He's doing Bulls Outsiders. But make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. I already see a bunch of the voicemails rolling in and text as we talk right now. Uh, but you can give us your thoughts. We're going to get into this next game in a minute, but I want to hear from you. We're going to take mailbag questions in your voicemails at 331-979-1369 on Wednesday. But I'm going to, as, as I re- sit here and record minutes after this Knicks-Bulls game, As I record here, if I get some good voicemails, I'm going to try to roll those in at the end of the episode here, specifically talking about this Knicks game. But again, I'm Jordan Malley, and oh, yikes. Not the game the Bulls were looking for, huh? Quite possibly early season candidate for most embarrassing loss of the season. I mean, fourth game into the season, we're already talking about one of the most embarrassing losses. We'll get into the Bobby Portis stuff. Get into the lack of offense. Get into Jim Boylan's weird timeout at the end of the third quarter with a follow-up explanation on that. But I think I think we just need to start with the last three and a half minutes of the game. The Knicks go on a 15 to nothing run to finish out the game. The Bulls held at, at most an eight-point lead for, for the majority of this game. The Knicks came back and tied it at 88. Bulls go on a 10 to 2 run. It's 98 to 90. Then the Bulls' offense disappears for the entirety of the rest of the fourth quarter. You're an NBA team and you don't score a single point in the last three and a half minutes. It's absolutely pathetic. You know, Matt and I haven't been able to talk about the Toronto loss on Saturday. And I don't even think I want to get into that right now. I just want to talk about this Knicks loss. This is pathetic. You know, the struggles that we talked about last year with this offense 
was lack of offensive firepower, having to lean on guys like Zach Levine and Lowry Markkinen for the most part for your offense. Otto Porter has been really, really, really quiet this year so far. I mean, again, we're only four games in, but Otto Porter has struggled. You've gotten some decent offense from Kobe White at times off the bench. Zach Levine has been off to kind of a slow start. I know he had, what, a couple games ago he had 30-plus. I know again tonight he had he had 21. Wendell Carter with actually a really, really nice game. 20 and 10, two assists, a steal, and three blocks. Really damn good game. From Carter, only shot nine times. But then Lowry marketed. Five for 13, two for six from three, 18 points, six rebounds. Otto Porter, who I just mentioned, three for 11, one from six from three, seven points, three rebounds. Sadoransky was a no-show. He had two points and five assists in this game. And then off the bench, Thaddeus Young played pretty decent. Six for 12. He had 15 points, four rebounds, and one block. But outside of that, the Bulls couldn't find offense if, if, it, was, if it was handed to them. Bulls shot 25.7% from three. And they struggled to shoot the three against Toronto and ended up getting blown out in their home opener on Saturday. This is continuously going to be a problem if the Bulls can't shoot three-pointers. And it's not to say that the Bulls are lacking any attempts. The Bulls shot 35 threes in this game. But when you shoot 25.7% from three, and the Knicks didn't even shoot that well. The Knicks made clutch threes down at the end in the fourth quarter when they needed to. Wayne Ellington made a huge three. Bobby Portis had a couple of threes, which we'll get to Bobby Portis in a second. But the Knicks only shot 31% from the three. But the Bulls were outscored from their bench, too. There's another problem. Let's get to that. Besides the starters not being able to score, then your second unit has problems scoring. Again, outside of Thaddeus Young and Kobe White had a really quiet night, too. He was two for five for five points. Majority of the offense was coming from Thaddeus Young. He had 15. The Bulls were outscored 50 to 30 off the bench. Not going to win many games when you're outscored by that many off the bench. So... Your starters can't score. Your bench can't score. Well, what's the issue? For the majority of this game and in the last couple of games, I've noticed where the Bulls have started to run into problems scoring. Why is it that ball movement was an emphasis when before the season started, and we thought we brought guys in to be able to help with ball movement, but yet I see a lot of guys trying to go one-on-one and do it themselves. Take Chris Dunn, for example. There was two back-to-back possessions, I believe, in the third quarter. Chris Dunn just went into the lane and threw up the worst shots. He had fouled on the first one. Had a chance at free throws, fine, but then he came down for a second shot. It was terrible. Zach Levine had to make a couple really tough shots tonight. Shots that he didn't have to force. So it seems like there's a lot lot of one-on-one going on and not a lot of movement either from the Bulls' offense. I I don't know if it's... Lack of creativity on Jim Boylan's part, or if it's these guys just feeling like they have to be the go-to guy. And that could be part of figuring out the chemistry of this team. But still, the Bulls are getting in themselves in positions multiple times tonight, too. Three seconds, two seconds on the shot clock, having to chuck up terrible shots. Two, three defenders in your face. How about Ryan Archidiacono hitting a three from the corner? After bailing out Kobe White, who went to the basket, left his feet, and had nowhere to go with the ball. You know, there's a lot of people questioning why Ryan Archidiakono is getting minutes over guys like Shaq Harrison or, you know, Denzel Valentine has been DNP'd. 
It's for reasons like Archie hits an impossible three in the corner, then comes down and draws an offensive foul on the Knicks. Little things like that are going to get you put in the rotation for Jim Boylan. But still, let's go back to the offense for a second. 21 from Levine, 20 from Carter, and 18 from Markinen. That fourth quarter was atrocious. For everybody that chirped Matt and I this offseason about saying, hey, maybe this Bulls team's probably going to be around a 31 to 34 win team this year. Might be exciting at times to watch, but I don't think they're quite there yet as far as a playoff team. You know, everybody got excited with all, everything that they saw on paper. Are we still chirping now? This team is fully healthy. You don't just wake up one night and say, oh, crap, you know what? I got chemistry injected into me. Now I know how to figure out how to play with all of these new guys. Zach Levine, Lowry Markkinen, Wendell Carter Jr., we act like those guys have played a lot together, but they haven't. Even the core of this Bulls team who's been here for multiple years hasn't played a whole lot together. On top of that, you throw new pieces in like Sadoransky and Thaddeus Young. And Daniel Gafford and Kobe White, too. This whole team hasn't really played together all that much. Even when you go down to the core of it. Carter had 40 games, 40 plus games last year. Zach Levine, Lowry Markinen, I don't even think you've shared 100 games on the floor yet. And if they have, it's slightly over that. My point is, is a team just doesn't wake up one day and say, you know what, now we've got the chemistry and know exactly how do we have to play together. This could take months. The Bulls could struggle to the new year trying to figure out how to play with each other, how to, how, to, how to move the ball efficiently, how to not press and feel like you have to go one-on-one with a guy and chuck up terrible shots. And that goes for a lot of the Bulls players. Saw Chris Dunn do it multiple times. Saw Zach Levine do it multiple times. And it wasn't just in this Knicks game. It's been the last few games. You know, even to start the season in Memphis, you know, I saw a really good tweet from Mark Caronzolas. He said, you know, if if Kobe White didn't go on a heater, the Bulls would be 0-4 right now. And that is 100% true. If he didn't go on that heater in Memphis, the Bulls would have lost that game. It just blows my mind that we're struggling to find offense right now. Especially finding offense against a really, really bad Knicks team. And then when you do have the lead, you can't hold it. Against a Knicks team, you you just let Bobby Portis... Bobby Portis dropped 28 off the bench on you. Bobby played in 30 minutes. He was 10 for 14, 4 for 4 from 3. He had 11 rebounds, 28 points, and he was a plus 31 off the bench. Wayne Ellington was a plus 21 off the bench in 22 minutes. He had 8 points. He was 3 for 8, and he hit two big threes in the fourth quarter. R.J. Barrett had 19 points. Julius Randle had 13 the Knicks starters, four out of the five guys were in double figures. The Bulls had three. The Bulls had four guys total in double digits and points. The Knicks had six. Bobby, The Bulls went to Madison Square Garden tonight, and Bobby Portis embarrassed him. Embarrassed him. Embarrassed Jim Boylan. There was a Bobby Portis chant going on at Madison Square Garden. Who the hell ever thought that was going to happen? A Bobby Portis, Madison Square Garden chant. If I would have t- told you that back in March, you guys would have laughed at me. Knicks fans would have said, I've never watched a minute of basketball. 
Yeah, here we are. Last week in October, and we're getting Bobby Port Bobby Portis chance as the Bulls walk off the floor, losing 105-98. So the Bulls are one and three to start. The Knicks are also one and three. Something seriously has to change, though. I don't know if it's the fact that Jim Boylan's got to figure out his rotations. If it's the fact that we now have to wait around for Otto Porter to figure out what's going on with his slow start, which I think is a huge factor to this all. You know, last year when the Bulls played really, really well, Otto Porter was hitting his shots. And we talked about this too, is Otto Porter wasn't going to shoot 76.2% true shooting percentage his entire career with the Bulls. It was just not going to happen. We were going to see some regression, but what we saw in the Raptors loss with nine points and Memphis, he only had four and to open up the the season in Charlotte, he only had nine points as well. You know, this, I, I think this is going to be a major concern. Three for 10 against Charlotte, one for six against Memphis, two for seven against Toronto, and then three for 11 against the Knicks. This is something that I think we heard from people in Washington as soon as Otto Porter got traded. And then we saw Otto Porter light it, light it the fuck up for 15 games of the Bulls. And a lot of people in Washington are just like, this is exactly who Otto Porter is. You see him light it up for 15, 20 games stretch, and then he disappears. I'm hoping that's not the case with him. And again, it's only four games, and I shouldn't completely overreact, but this is part of why the Bulls' offense is struggling. We thought Otto Porter was going to be the third piece, the third scoring option on this team, bailing guys out when they're getting double teamed, when Lowry Markinen struggle, when Zach Levine's struggling to score. Otto Porter was supposed to be kind of that guy. He made things start to become fluid. We're just not seeing that right now. I think that's part of the reason why this starting unit is struggling. Thomas Adoransky, too, as much as the Bulls brought in him to be a distributor, we thought he was going to give us a little bit more on the offensive end. Thaddeus Young has done a nice job off the bench. We'll get to the bench in a second, but still, I think the starters stop and go with Otto Porter. And I think we need to make more mention of this and watch. And again, four games in, not to freak out, but still, three for 10, one for six, two for seven, three for 11. Otto Porter is yet to, to score in double digits in the regular season. In preseason, he did great, 16, 11, and 15. So it's not great. Otto is shooting 23.1% from three so far this year. His field goal percentage is 26.1% through four games. Not to completely kill him, but he's a really, really essential part of why this team is going to be good or not this year. If Otto Porter continues to play like this throughout the rest of the season, it's going to continuously make the Bulls' offense struggle. It's going to be back to kind of what we saw last year. Bulls didn't really have a wing that could score. So then it was back on Zach. It was back on Lowry. And hey, maybe why... Maybe while Otto Porter is struggling, maybe Wendell Carter Jr., who we missed for the good portion of the second half of the season, maybe he can step into that role and start to score. So let's talk about a positive. Let's get a positive going for a second. Let's talk about Carter's game. Twenty points, ten rebounds, two assists, one steal, three blocks, only one turnover. He was six for seven from the free throw line, too. This is what I really liked, and I think this is what we were hoping for from Carter, and I think consistency is key. 
Saw the game against the Nuggets he had last year where he just absolutely broke out against one of the best centers, too, in the league in Jokic, but then disappeared. So I'm wondering if now, if the Bulls continues to see struggles from Otto, maybe they shift their focus and try to run some of the offense through Wendell, which I think he's completely competent. And again, the, the Knicks, the centers that they were playing this in this game, the forwards, Bobby Portis, Bobby Portis and Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, all these guys, they're not elite-level guys. So it's not a surprise that Wendell scored 20 points tonight, but that's good to see. So maybe the Bulls can start to push their offense more and more into what Carter is doing as opposed to having to lean heavily on Otto Porter. And I think part of the reason, too, is Otto Porter has struggled with pressing a little bit. Maybe he's – I saw him take two, three, four shots where he – they were clearly bad shots. Zach Levine was doing the same thing, but Zach Levine was making a couple of those. Otto Porter was not. So biggest key for this Bulls starting five is it starts and stops with Otto. If we don't have – him shooting 40-50% on a night, it's going to be a struggle. And 3 for 11 is, is tough to see. So again, four games in, but... Hey, alright, I think you guys can hear me better now. Sorry about that, I was, was obviously not going to re-record the first 15 minutes of what I did, but I'm a dumbass and... Had my settings on wrong, so I was talking into my mic, but it was recording in a different place. Hopefully the sound is a little bit better now, but um, for the back end of this episode, it sounds a little bit better. Let's talk about Jim Boylan for a second, though, because I know Bulls Twitter was going crazy over the timeout that Jim Boylan had taken at .5 seconds left on the clock in the third quarter. A lot of us were asking, what was the point of that timeout? Like, Why did you need to take it there? Uh, Cody Westerland tweeted this out, which I think is... Fair, you know, it's it's fair, and I didn't want to completely blow up about it because there was no point to it. I think it's good to ask the question. So he tweeted out, and this is good kind of follow-up, is Jim Boylan is making tactical, strategical progression. Uh, he's been good this year in that area. He took the timeout with .5 seconds left, and he had a follow-up tweet that says he had five timeouts, and you could only take four into the fourth quarter. So he took that. In Jim Boylan's perspective is, if I don't take the timeout now, I'm just going to lose it. So, it's actually pretty smart on Jim Boylan's point. You know, we talked about Jim Boylan making step, making steps and strides, taking a little bit more accountability, taking some growth with the players, and here's Jim Boylan taking some growth with his timeouts. Uh, so, that's the reason why Jim Boylan took a timeout with .5 seconds left. Here's another thing, too. Besides Jim Boylan, I think I'm already kind of tired of seeing Luke Cornett out there. I think it's definitely time to at least showcase and see what Daniel Gafford can give us. I don't care if Luke Cornett can hit a three here and there. The dude can't play defense. Dude's getting burned past by Julius Randle and Bobby Portis. Not to say that Lowry Markkinen or any of these other guys weren't getting burned by Portis all night either, but... For the most part, Cornett can't play any defense. Part of the reason was to upgrade our defense this year. And again, Thaddeus Young can't play 35, 40 minutes a game. So you need somebody else to kind of step into that role. And I get Gafford still raw at times. And what we saw in preseason, that is obviously not an indication of what we're going to see in the regular season. Just by the four games that we see from the Bulls so far. Bulls looked pretty decent in preseason. Looked terrible to start the regular season. But I don't think it hurts at this point. 
And I don't know what's up with Denzel Valentine either and why he's getting DNPs. But at this point, when you get outscored by 20 by one of the worst, 20 off the bench by one of the worst teams in the league in the Knicks, maybe it's time to just look at all of your options. And again, it goes back to the struggle of the, the starters. If the starters are going to score any points, it's going to be a hell of a lot more difficult for the bench to feel like they're comfortable and be able to score out there. You see it too, besides just Otto Porter not scoring. You see Kobe White not having the offensive explosion he's had in a couple of these games. That hurts. Chris Dunn putting up three points on one for six shooting hurts a ton. The Bulls made four three-pointers off the bench and they made four three-pointer, five three-pointers as starters. Something's got to change besides the offense and I think one of the areas too is being able to play defense with that second unit. I didn't expect much from Luke Cornett on the defensive side, but already it looks like a massive, massive hole in that second unit. So if he's not knocking down shots and being a scorer, what is he really doing on the floor? Maybe it's time to take a look at Gafford. I don't know. This is this is a really embarrassing loss, though, for the Bulls. A fan base that talked about a team that should be in the playoffs, that should be hunting for a playoff spot. It seems like we're in that same carousel we were in last year. You know, one of the biggest emphases I think Jim Boylan had in his media day press conference and kind of the media carousel that he did over the next couple of days was figuring out how to win games, how to close out games. And that was something that they emphasized in practice last week. He talked about it. The last chunk of practice, all they did was run late game scenarios. That's all they did. And still, it looks like nothing has really changed. Again, I think it goes back to just not having any sort of command of the offense. When the Bulls go down points, they start to struggle, a team starts to crawl back, it seems like suddenly all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, one person's got to figure out how to score a bucket here and save us from this drought. Instead of moving the ball, and we see that happen a lot with Zach Levine. Otto Porter did the same thing. Chris Dunn did the same thing. A lot of these guys just push and push and push, and we don't run a whole lot of offense. And it's not just the guys with the ball in their hands, too. Nobody's moving around them. Watch the Bulls in the last eight minutes again. Literally, guys are just standing there. No one's moving. No one's even attempting to try to get open. So I'm not really that shocked that the Bulls didn't score in the last three and a half minutes. This is, again, though, embarrassing. Give the Knicks their first win of the year. Supposed to be a team that's supposed to be terrible. Terrible this year. The Bulls have a long way to go before we start really talking about, hey, you know what? Yeah, we can... We could maybe contend for a playoff spot. It's early in the season, but I think that discussion should be put on pause until further notice. The Bulls can't close out games. The Bulls can't score. The Bulls are struggling at times on defense. The one thing that we didn't think we were going to concern ourselves with was the ability to score the ball this year, and yet that has been a huge problem through the first four games of this season. The Bulls did a good job on defense in that first quarter, too. They only let the Knicks score 15 points. Did a really good job. They were up 18. It's another thing. If you're up close to 20 points at any point in this game against the Knicks team, you should have this under wraps. Again, it goes back to the Bulls having the lead for almost the entire game. The Knicks didn't grab a lead until the fourth quarter. But again, the Bulls play really good in the first half and lay a freaking goose egg in the second give up 30 points to come out of, out in the third quarter and then give up 33 on a 15-0 run in the last three and a half minutes. This is terrible. All right, I'm going to take a couple of your instant reaction texts here. Uh, tomorrow's episode, hopefully I'll have enough cuts of getting Zach Lowe and Zach Levine 
together on Zach Lowe's podcast, Low Post podcast, have an opportunity to kind of talk a little bit about that. Matt and I can recap more in depth about the Knicks and the Raptors game and also the Grizzlies game as we kind of head into the second week of the season. But I do want to grab some stuff from that Zach Lowe interview with Zach Levine because I think there was some really interesting stuff there too. And I want Matt's opinion as well. Uh, but here is from the 312. Guys, since after the first game of the season, Lowry has been trash. The way he plays to me, I see him just being a taller version of Otto Porter at best. It's still a good player, but all of us could most likely agree we're expecting more. I I don't agree with everything that you're saying here, but with the one thing that I am noticing a lot in these first couple of games is shots that I gave Lowry some slack last year for not hitting, he needs to start hitting this year. You know, wide open threes. If you're going to be a three-point shooter, you got to start knocking down these shots. You know, some of the shots that I was like, okay, maybe he's still developing, still developing his shot. In the third season, we got to start knocking down those shots, man. If he's going to be considered the second best option on offense for this Bulls team to have any success, he's got to start hitting those shots. You know, it can't just be rag on Zach Levine the entire time. These other guys got to step up too. And again, I spent the first eight minutes talking about Otto Porter and his struggles on offense, but it's everybody. So I do agree with that fact that what we're seeing from Lowry outside of the first game, we get that sometimes, but the consistency level hasn't exactly been there for long stretches. And we talked about that in preseason. I said that when they were playing the Pelicans, for the first eight minutes of the first quarter, and this this wasn't... I guess all Lowry's fault, but he wasn't involved at all. He didn't touch the ball. He touched the ball once off a rebound and then ended up having to go get his own shot. So it's a combination of guys not really knowing how to play with each other, Lowry not being aggressive enough to call for the ball, and also, too, Lowry just not knocking down his shots like he should. 815, what is going on with Otto Porter? He's been playing so poorly. Is it because of the offensive shift to everyone else? I mean, he hasn't... He has to hit these threes. Agreed. Completely. This was before I even saw this text. Hopefully you kind of got a better idea. And I saw the exact same thing too. I think most Bulls fans, if you look at the box score and you've been watching the last four games, you're like, what What has gone with, on with Otto Porter so far? Like, what's going on with him? Is he not getting involved enough? Is he just not knocking down shots he normally did last year in the first 15 games he played with the Bulls? Again, I'm a little worried because it goes back to the things that a lot of the Wizards beat writers were talking about last year with Otto and what they've seen, and they've seen a hell of a lot more games than we have of Otto Porter Jr. I'm hoping that's not the case, and it's still really early to tell. But again, 815 text, good text, because I don't know what's going on with Otto. Uh, the last one I'll wrap up with is the 502 text here. Oh, no, we'll take a voicemail, too. We get a voicemail as well. Says who's to blame for the Bulls' collapse against the Knicks, and why is Chris Dunn on the floor more than Kobe White? Here, this is what I'll tell you about Chris Dunn. As bad as those couple of possessions he had trying to get to the basket, he's one for six with only three points. He's the only dude that can play perimeter defense. The only dude right now, and the Bulls still got torched. Bobby Portis hit freaking wide open threes. Bobby Portis sidestepped and drained a three with like 30 seconds left. The Bulls looked embarrassing trying to defend the three. Look, the, the Knicks only shot 31%, but when it came down to crunch time, the Knicks were hitting wide open threes. Bulls were not making adjustments at all. Again, the three-point perimeter defense is going to be a struggle for the Bulls. And it's tough to let Chris Dunn stay out on the floor at stretches of time when he's pretty much a ghost on offense. But again, I think that's what it goes back to is... 
Kobe White couldn't really defend. He only played in 16 minutes in this one. And Chris Dunn was out there at the end of the stretch too. Which kind of blows my mind, especially because the Bulls were down. And after the Knicks going on that 15 nothing run, especially Bobby hitting two a couple of threes and some big shots, Bulls needed somebody to score. But again, going with the guys that he felt most comfortable with and felt like a defensive stop would have helped them more than maybe trying to get Kobe White open for a shot. Most to blame, I would say was it, it's the starters. All five starters plus Jim Boylan can take the blame for this. You, you can't go three and a half minutes, especially the last three and a half minutes of the game, and expect to win a game. I blame this one solely on the starters. I don't care who it is at this point scoring, and maybe I should take Carter out of that, but still. Otto and Lowry combined eight for 24. Throw Thomas Sadoransky in there too. Nine for 29. The last thing I'll end on this is, this is also a struggle too I've seen in the last four games. The Bulls don't get any offensive rebounds, and they let their opponents get every offensive rebound. Look at the Knicks. The Bulls got out, almost doubled in rebounds. The Knicks had 63 rebounds tonight. 38 defensive rebounds, which was better than the Bulls' 30. And they had 25 offensive rebounds compared to the Bulls' 8. Not going to win a hell of a lot of games either, not being able to create second opportunities and allowing your opponent on the flip side to create every opportunity to have second chance points. The Bulls did a good job of not turning over the ball. They had 10 turnovers to the Knicks' 17. But the Knicks ended up turning those turnovers into 18 points. Which the Bulls only turned off turnovers, turned in those 17 turnovers into 14 points. So a combination of literally everything went wrong. Which which is crazy, because the Bulls had the lead for the most part of this game. But that is going to be another struggle. And again, why I don't know why Cornette is out there. If he can't rebound, can't play defense, and is not hitting shots, why is he on the floor? The Eddie Young is struggling to rebound too. Otto Porter is struggling to rebound. Lowry is struggling to rebound. The only person out there rebounding the ball consistently is Carter. Bulls have to do a better job on the boards, especially on offense. You've got to be able to create second chance opportunities. You have to, especially if you're going to give up 25 offensive rebounds and not play any defense. Again, to sum this up, and this is just a quick reaction. I'm still kind of stunned, but this is this is embarrassing. This is a pathetic loss. I don't want to hear anybody chirping me about playoffs until the team can can score consistently. This is not a playoff team. Right now, this is not a playoff team, not even close. Maybe they'll figure it out in December or, or January, but it's going to take a while to figure this out. What we talked about, too, First seven games are supposed to be kind of a cakewalk for the Bulls. If this is the way that they're going to play, the Bulls maybe win two games in November. Think about that, too. Think about the November schedule coming up. Bulls got to figure this out and figure it out quick. Or we end up might end up starting again like we did last year with a Fred Hoiberg team of 5-19. and 19. Schedule is not fun for the next four weeks coming up. All right, let me take that voicemail. This is this is a phenomenal voicemail. I always love when DVS calls us. So here's DVS. Jordan and Matt, how's it going? This is DVS. Um, sitting here watching this epic struggle between two NBA powerhouses, the Chicago Bulls and the New York Knicks. 
after going toe-to-toe with perennial champions, the Charlotte Bobcats, I'm starting to realize that we need an alpha. Uh, somebody has to hit Levine in the face because his shot selection, with him being the primary scorer on this team, and I don't think Laurie's there yet, I didn't realize how much we miss people like Bobby. Oh, Bobby had another one. We miss people like Bobby Portis, and we miss people like Robin Lopez, a veteran presence. We don't have anybody who is going to get in the chest of these individuals and let them know you cannot take highly heavily contested three on one shots. Somebody has to stop it, and it's not going to be Levine. Levine cannot stop himself. We need an alpha. I hope you guys enjoy the lottery because it looks like that's where we're going. All right. Later. I'm standing up giving you a standing ovation right now, DVS. It's a great call. Missing that alpha. Hmm. We had three alphas at one time. Missing the Jimmy Butler presence, right? Dude who's going to take the dudes off the bench and beat your starters. We need that type of level of pettiness right now, right? It does. It seems like guys got to get get shook or something get punched in the chest like dvs that are punched in the face like dude what are you doing stop taking those shots but he's right he can't zach levine can't help himself taking these heavily contested very very difficult shots to zach levine's credit he's made more than he's missed of those which is wild to me but i don't see that lasting you're 100% spot on too we do miss guys with a little bit of fire a little bit of edge to them Robin Lopez or Bobby. You know, much as, as much as Bulls fans wanted to see Bobby out the door, he gave at least this team some type of spark. Nobody on this team looks like they can give any type of energy or any type of spark right now. And again, I don't know if that goes back to a lot of these guys don't know each other that well. And, you know, the Bulls hyped up the September get-together like it was the, the meeting of the Masters. And, you know, it was like going to summer camp and doing all these icebreaker drills and... You know, oh, we, we know each other better than we know anybody else now. It doesn't really seem like it's that that's the case. Guys like Bobby Portis and Robin Lopez knew what was going on here with the Bulls. They were around for a long time, but we do. We miss guys like that. Who's the longest tenured Bull right now? Is it Lowry at three years? Zach at three years? And Chris Dunn at his third year? I don't even, I, I don't even want to hear the joke about Felicio. But still, like, the Bulls don't have very long-tenured players that have been on this team for four, five, six seasons. Robin Lopez was that missing piece last year. You know, he was that piece last year that was putting things together. And that's the sad thing, too, is, you know, when the Bulls would struggle like this last year, who was the go-to guy? It was Robin Lopez. Especially for the back end of the season, it was Robin Lopez. Bulls were getting most of their offense on, on streaks where they were going two, three minutes without any buckets. Robin Lopez was providing the offense. Bulls don't have that guy now. Uh, DVS, I hope you're wrong, man. 
I hope we're not headed back to the lottery. And if we are, it's the 13th or 14th. We just squeaked out a playoff appearance. But it's sad to say, if if things don't get turned around, and again, I knew this was going to happen. I knew that the Bulls weren't just going to come out and all of a sudden have the best chemistry in the world and be able to play together. But I didn't think it was going to look this bad this early. Otto Porter's a key. He is a key to all of this. Lowry is a key to all of this. Zach Levine, too, is a key to all of this. We know what we can get out of Zach on an offense at night. But Otto continues to struggle. The Bulls are not going to find a ton of ways to score the ball, especially if Lowry's going to continue to be inconsistent on nights. You know, we see opening night where he scores a ton, but then we turn around and it's like, where did Lowry go? He's got 18 points tonight, especially against a really bad Knicks team. A Knicks team we clowned on, too, with all the forwards that they had. But again, I I don't know. I hope we're not headed back to the lottery, and it's too early, and, it's, and there's too much of the season left for me to drag my ass through this entire season just thinking about the lottery. I can't do what we did last year. Took an emotional toll on both Matt and I for almost the entire season. Took an emotional toll on Bulls Nation. We can't go through another season like that. But the Bulls got to figure this out quickly quickly and they're going to get smacked in the face too in November if they continuously play like this This the Bulls are going to get blown out night after night if they can't find ways to score especially in crunch time if they can't find ways to close games out they're going to get embarrassed this isn't going to be the first embarrassing loss if that happens I have confidence though like whatever it is Otto Porter needs to snap out of it Lowry needs to snap out of it Zach Levine all of these guys because you can't lean on a rookie to win you games It's not going to be like Memphis every single game where Kobe White can bail your ass out. So I'm hoping the Bulls will figure this out. DVS, I I hope you have a good one. Continuously call us because he always drops us great voicemails. Hit us up, though. Anybody else listening to this, 331-979-1369. It doesn't just have to be about this Knicks loss. It could be about the first four games of the season, what you guys are seeing. Uh, What do you guys think the biggest struggle is for this Bulls team right now? Besides just... Individual offensive struggles. What are the Bulls missing? Maybe DVS is right. Maybe we are missing an alpha. And that's what I talked about when I was bitching about Westbrook and bringing a guy in that is going to be that pure alpha on your team. The Bulls still do miss that. I think Zach Levine's trying his hardest to be that, but I don't know if he is that guy. You guys think the Bulls have a guy on this team that can be kind of the Robin Lopez, Bobby Portis, light the fire underneath your ass type of player? Because I don't think we have one right now. Maybe that's the one piece the Bulls needed we can talk about that more tomorrow, too, and I want to get Matt's thoughts on this as well. But again, 331-979-1369. Drop us your voicemail or your text message. You can hit us up on Twitter, too, at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. Again, thanks for bearing through the first 12, 15 minutes of the podcast with really terrible audio. Hopefully, I mean, it, it, it doesn't sound terrible, but it sounds like I'm, I'm talking through a Skype microphone like I'm doing a podcast in 2014. So, uh, appreciate you guys bearing with me hopefully the back end of the episode was a little bit better for you guys to listen to we'll be back tomorrow though we'll be back early tomorrow matt and i will uh again thank you guys for bearing with us i know there's been days where we haven't dropped an episode or matt has to do the episodes by himself or i'm here doing an episode by myself as well um it's tough it's tough when it's tough when you have other commitments to pay the bills so We love doing this podcast. You guys are the reason why we continuously are able to do this podcast. And we appreciate everybody that's out there listening to us. And 
seeing people angry that we don't drop an episode on a certain day or we miss a day or two here is really, really good. That's actually a compliment for us because that means there are people out there listening and that people actually want to hear what we have to say. So thank you again. Hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, any, literally anywhere you get your podcast, Locked On Bulls is sure to be there. There's a reason why. If you go to the basketball category on Apple Podcasts, we are one of the top episodes in the basketball category. We're one of the top podcasts overall in the United States as far as basketball goes. So thank you. Thank you, Bulls Nation, for listening to us. For Jordan Malley, I'm saying I'm out of here. Bulls Nation will be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan Malley, I'm out of here. Deuces. Yes, 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 oh, yes. No, yes. No, 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 don't don't get me. See, you don't know basketball. You just got caught. You just got caught. It's official. <laughs> okay, cool. The reality is we fucking suck right now. But we just not that good right now. And that's, I mean, I, I don't know what better way to frame that for you. Okay, cool.